Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor of Fightful.com and FightfulMMA.com. UFC Austin in the books. Show. Sorry, I muted myself. What a show this ended up being. My God. Just finish after finish, really. I mean, well, I don't want to say finish after finish. James Vick didn't finish his fight, but just a fun show overall. Even the fights that didn't get finished, uh, they were meaningful. One of the better fights didn't get that much of a reaction, but let's let's go ahead and I'll talk through the cards starting at the bottom. We'll work our way up. Pakoda over Williams. Pakoda is really good at moving backwards and timing opponents, which is what he did here with with the hook. Williams rock, walked right into it. That was a great finish. We would see that later as well. Alex Morono over Josh Berkman. Stop giving Berkman fights. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Tried to mute that. Got a little bit of a cough right now. A leg kick from Morono, like just destabilized Berkman. Berkman went for a desperation shot, got choked out. That is like Josh Berkman's 17th loss in a row in the UFC. It, it's a lot right now. Uh, Showdown Joe and I talk about it every week on the Fightful MMA Holy Smokes podcast when he has a fight coming up. Like, how many more does he have in him? I can't believe that, like, it, that they would keep giving him this fight. And I know this is short notice, so they, they kind of. They just did it to do it, but that's a rough one. Roberto Sanchez defeated Joby Sanchez. Man, Roberto had Joby scouted. He knew that Joby gave up his back too much, took advantage of that, quickly submitted Joby. Like You even heard him say it in, in the post-fight. He's like, I knew that he was going to give it up, so that's what I went after. He does it in all of his fights, so I knew that I could could employ that tactic as well. So. Uh, Shout-outs to Roberto Sanchez. We'll have these finishes up on Fightful.com as well pretty soon. Leave us a thumbs up, subscribe, all that good stuff. Pudilova defeated Morris. Okay, so I had a problem with this fight. Uh, Sarah Morris was in control on the ground, and then Jacob Montalvo, who made a couple of questionable decisions on this show. Can't wait to get Showdown Joe's thoughts on this Tuesday. Stood up this fight, which I thought Sarah Morris was being kind of, or at least – active enough to where it shouldn't be stood up like did you 
that was questionable at best, that stand-up. And it changed the landscape of the fight because on the feet, that was not Sarah Morass's fight. That wasn't the type of, of battle that she wanted to be in. And she was willing to trade, but I, I don't want to go as far as to say she was competent in trade there. Pudilova put the pain on Sarah Morass. But then every time it got to the ground, Sarah Morass was uh, transitioning and chaining submissions and threatening submissions, almost had an armbar locked in. Like, I can't believe that Pudilova didn't tap out. A lot of lesser women would have tapped out. A lot of lesser men would have tapped out. Uh, she was able to fight those submissions off very well and was aggressive on the feet, landed elbows from the guard, which I think are are going to – are from uh, while uh, in guard, rather – which is going to happen unless you posture up or, or at least hold up on your opponent. You want to be almost head-to-head these days or head underneath chin because if you're down by like the midsection of the torso, then you're going to eat a lot of elbows there as well. Uh, Stone Osborne says, Showdown Joe's Shorty Torres call was awesome. Yeah, Shorty Torres won last night at Titan FC. We're going to talk about that Tuesday. We do have an interview with him up on Fightful.com that we will run on the Holy Smokes MMA podcast. I have like five or six guests from the UFC Orlando show on this Tuesday's podcast. But Pudilova getting a big win over Sarah Morass. But I can't help but to think that that ref stand-up was somewhat responsible for that because I don't know that that Pudilova was was going to win that fight without that flurry at the end. I think that Sarah Morass probably would have ridden out or uh, rode out the, the rest of the round on top probably – done some damage and maybe carry that into the second round. And it's a shame like that referee essentially took money out of Sarah Morris's pocket, but uh, that's, that's pretty love biggest win. Jeffrey Neal and Brian Camozzi, uh Neal landed with regularity on the feet and then followed up with an ugly ass choke, but it got the job done. Camozzi would counter occasionally with kicks. Uh, I don't know why we had so many previews of this fight. Kind of weird, like they previewed this two or three times on the show. My God, somebody said, uh, "Have you even have you seen the the picture circulating with Nate Diaz with a blunt in his mouth in the crowd?" Uh, yeah, that man doesn't give a shit, and it, it's he's able to do that in like out of competition. Like you just can't do it pretty much the week, week and a half leading up to a fight. Like there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, maybe it's illegal in Texas, so perhaps there is something wrong with that, but. Yeah, man, Nate Diaz doesn't give a damn, so more power to him. Carlos Ferreira over uh, Jared Gordon. Man, Jared Gordon was looking for his third UFC win since, like, July, I think, which is quite the start, but Ferreira kicked Gordon in the penis, like, twice early on. Now, it wouldn't have mattered eventually, but how do you not take a point here? Like, the first time, I get it. Second time, you got to take a point. As Ian Kidd said, you know, it's a good thing that he has uh, three chances before he gets a point taken away. Yeah, and you have to wonder if that affected Gordon. I don't think it did that much, but Ferreira dropped Gordon. But this finish was particularly beautiful. A hammer lock in the ground and pound. Like, I want to say Gordon was like kind of in the turtled position, and Ferreira took the hammer lock and then used that like to where he couldn't block with, with that other hand and then threw those shots to the head. That was beautiful, man. That was incredible. And, I mean, we've seen this strategy before. The Undertaker had to kick Brock Lesnar in the penis like six times before he beat him. So, you know, that, that's going to happen. You got to get your penis kicks in. 
But if you do a hammerlock, I might let it slide in my review. Might let it go a little bit because I'm a hammerlock fan. Sage Northcutt and uh, Tia Balt. Oh, man. So I'm conflicted on the decision. Tia Balt, didn't really do any type of damage outside of the first round, which I still thought that Northcutt won that first round. Outside of that, he didn't do a whole lot of damage. Like when you see the striking stats, it was like 100 and something to 20. Kind of surprising when, when I look back at it, but uh, Tibalti was trying to grind it out. North Cat came out really aggressive early with – he mixed in jabs, straights, teeps. Looked pretty impressive early on, and he still is pretty much a kid. He's 21, 22 years old. I thought it was kind of impressive how quickly North Cat was able to recover from some of the strikes that Tibalti landed in the first round, but they were good strikes too. Uh, North Cat hit a big power double, tried some new things, wrestled a little bit. Back on the feet, Northcutt got cracked again by Guti's right. That first round was a great round. And it seemed like Guti was trying to grind it out those last two, but judges didn't see it. That It's controversial at best, and it is Texas, and it is Sage Northcutt's home state. Yikes. Brandon Davis defeated Steven Peterson. We had an interview up with Steven Peterson this weekend. Uh, I don't know how he stayed up in this fight. <clears throat> he got cracked with some of the hardest shots at featherweight that I've seen in a while. And the guy's a bantamweight. Like he moved up to take this fight. And not only that, he got hit with a knee in the third round that it looked like it woke him up. Like he was like, he was wobbling and he did the stanky leg and all that stuff. And then he got cracked with that knee and he's like, ah, (laughs) you gave him, (laughs) give me my powers, that type of thing. He didn't win the fight, but Hmm. Vinny Fernando says, how is it controversial? Go look at MMADecision.com, playboy. Some people think that wrestling is uh, more important than striking, and some people think that uh, not doing that amount of damage is is the case. Uh, 46% of fans had it for Goatee. Over 60% of media had it for Goatee. So that's how it's controversial. Uh, you can take that however you want. I think that doing damage from the bottom is way better than just not doing any or not employing any type of offense. I thought that, you know, I I said Texas judges because by, by most criteria, like somehow Goatee gets that win. But I think I thought Northcutt deserved it. He did more damage. He tried to, he tried to inflict pain on his opponent and didn't try to grind it out. I mean, now sometimes grinding it out can get you that win, but Hey man, Hey man. Uh, somebody says, is it because Sages isn't that great of a fighter? He's 22, man. Like, he's really, really young. He's a kid. 22. Give him some time. He won't reach his peak for, like, maybe five, six years. Maybe. Maybe. Brandon Davis defeated Steven Peterson. They might get a uh, fight of the night for that. I don't know. Um... Because maybe maybe Cerrone gets a bonus and Goatee or uh, Ferreira should get a bonus for that finish. There were a lot of good finishes on this show though tonight. Melinda defeated Alves. Now, if you watch the Holy Smokes MMA podcast or read that read our predictions, I have Melinda winning this. Uh, Alves has been a little too inconsistent for me. Uh, my, I'll just say this: Montalvo is not a good ref. This is not the same Curtis Melinda I saw struggling to stay on the Bellator roster a couple years ago. 
This is a much improved Curtis Melinder. I hate that when he put it together, he was 30, but he's only been fighting as a pro since he was 25. So five years, but you know, 30 years old and being a welterweight, it's it's about the right time. Like this is the time for him to make his run and make his move. And he looked really, really great. He kept Alves on the end of his strikes, but then when he would step in, he would he would land there as well. Alves got back down a lot. Melinder would switch up on a lot of strikes. Jacked Alves with a left hand that hurt him real bad, but he celebrated because he thought that Matt Montalvo was going to finish it, and he probably should have. He probably should have uh, stopped the fight there, but uh, Alves recovered. He was able to hit a, a liver kick too, was Alves, but Melinder kept him off balance the whole time, and then a big knee got it done, man. Curtis Melinder is the one that I want to watch out for. It's like I told Joe on Tuesday's show, Thiago Alves isn't what he once was, but he is still he's still a guy that people remember competed for a championship at UFC 100. So he's got a little bit of a name value behind him in that regard, not like a ton. But he's been around, he's been in the UFC consistently for over for like over a decade at this point. He's 34. Uh Alves I think was first in the UFC in 2005. So we're talking like 12 straight years uninterrupted, not like he lost his way out and came back. But now he's lost three of four. Curtis Melinder has his third finish in or third KO finish since October. That's something to look out for, man. And and you know, people were like, oh, maybe he's gonna slow down after that output. I don't think he was gonna slow down. He's been to the scorecards like eleven times. Two of those were five rounders. I think Melinder, like being able to step in, he's 15 and three. To be able to put away an OG like Tiago Alves, who, you know, his last win, uh, Alves's last win was Patrick Cote. And, okay, like, he toyed around with lightweight, welterweight, all that stuff. And he put Patrick Cote into retirement. But a few years ago, he was beating Jordan Meehan. And he hasn't had, like, a big standout win in a long time. Like, a long, long time. And he took a lot of time off. Took a couple years off at one point. Uh Took a year and a half off at one point and almost a year now. So I do question the future of Tiago Alves because you you look back, look back at his career. And I think it was March 2012 to April 2014. He didn't fight. He got beat by Martin Campman. He wasn't back. Then uh I think it was it was May of 2015. He lost the Condit, didn't come back until like November of the next year lost to Jim Miller, and usually it seemed like when he got beat like that, he would either come back really quick or or take a lot of time. And, you know, it does make me wonder. Lost three of four. He's he's 34, but uh, he's got a lot of cage miles on him. It's something we always talk about. Like, you think about him, and it's like, oh, 34 years old. The guy fought Glayson Tebow in 2001. The guy fought Glayson Tebow when he was 17 years old. Glayson, you know, the Glayson Tebow who's still in the UFC right now, that's how OG he went. Like, we're talking 2001. So uh, a win over Tiago Alves, I think, says says a lot, even though he is at the end of his career. James Vick over Trinaldo. My God, James Vick is a huge welter or lightweight. He'd, he'd be a pretty big welterweight, too. We had an interview with him as well. Vic likes to strike from his back foot and set up like those combos and flurries and things like that. And Trinaldo is more of a range striker. 
It's just a couple guys, you know, just a couple guys you throw in there that have won like seven of eight, and you see what happens. And it was a nice contrast that I thought, but but then Vic was landing at range and was eluding and would strike in the clinch briefly, then move out. Trinaldo traded kicks briefly, then thought better of it, but Vic's size was just too much of an issue. Uh, Trinaldo was at his best with the body punches, but uh, Vic grinded it out and got it done. And he's looking for a big fight now, I would imagine. Because you, you win eight of nine, especially in that lightweight division. And that, it's that Dariush fight that killed him. But Iaquinta's booked up. I think Kiesa's booked up. Uh, Kevin Lee, they'd probably give somebody else. But James Vick said that Kevin Lee turned down that fight. So would he get him? Doubt it. But, you know, there, there are a few guys in there. You could you could put Barboza against Vick. I think that's a good fight because Barboza is coming off that recent loss to Nurmagomedov. Uh, put them in there, and still, that's that's a highly ranked opponent. If Barboza wins, then he's still a top five guy. And if James Vick wins, he is worthy of that spot. Now, that's quite a leap, but it, it's a fight that makes sense. But you know, honestly, every fight makes sense for for a guy like Edson Barboza, and almost every fight. Kind of, well, I, I can't say every fight makes sense for James Vick because, as good as he is, and as charismatic as he is as well. Like his name isn't as big, and I think it should be. He's definitely earned it. Get James Vick a good fight. The, the man needs a big fight. Give it to him. Stop the charade. Stone Osborne says there's a time where if you swam in a pool with Glacian, you would instantly bench press 300 plus pounds from steroid osmosis. No comment. No comment there. So. Derek Lewis had this finish. Like Derek Lewis fights are either exhilarating or exhausting. Like there was a, a clinch battle that just looked looked tiring. I wanted to take a nap after this damn thing. Tybura did take a nap when all was said and done. Lewis got a knockdown in round one, forced Tybura to the mat. I thought Tybura was going to win this. I often question Derek Lewis's motivation. His you know because. We've seen like he's had to pull out of fights due to a back injury, and like sometimes he'll seem just just like his heart isn't in it. And then you'll see sometimes when you remember why he had the hype train behind him before he got beat. And the third round of this fight was one of those. You realize the scary things that this guy can do with his hands. And he put Marcin Tybora to sleep. And I I, I admittedly have I wrote Derek Lewis off ahead of this fight. I, th- I was like, you know what? I think maybe he's done. He's even though he's, he's 33, it's a young heavyweight. He got beat by Mark hunt in June of last year. And he pulled out of that other fight. He had some back issues. He said he was going to retire before that. He just didn't seem like, like he was going to be back and be back at that level. And, I mean, maybe Marcin Tibura is not at that level. Because, I mean, he's lost to a couple of pretty top-level guys. But, I mean, the striking disparity between he and Fabricio Verdun was not that different. Now, I'm not going to pretend that striking is... uh 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Verdum's strong point, but this is a good win for, for Derek Lewis. He needed a win like this to launch himself back in the conversation. Two straight losses in a row, I think, would have eliminated him from the conversation in the heavyweight division. Now, he's up there. Now, uh, put him in there with Francis Ngannou. See what happens. Just, just see what happens. Let him hash it out. Let him see. Curtis Blades, that'd be a good one. A lot of lot of decent young names, younger names in that heavyweight division that that are worth watching. Marcin Tybura, well, I mean, like you can't give him Timothy Johnson again. Maybe maybe he can fight Struve or somebody like that. But um, <clears throat> two straight losses, two straight top ten losses. You got to fight some lesser competition now. That's just the way it is. Those are the breaks. Donald Cerrone against Yancey Medeiros. These two guys are friends, and you knew that this was going to be a good fight. At a crossroads in their career, Cerrone had lost three in a row. Medeiros had won three in a row. Fun fact, Yancey Medeiros gave me my first like MMA scoop exclusive. Uh, he was in Kentucky hashing out some <laughs> marijuana test issues <laughs> with the regulatory commission out here. And at the time, UFC was trying to book Nate Diaz and Habib Nurmagomedov and he told a guy that I worked with when who would feed me some information that Diaz didn't turn down the uh, Habib Nurmagomedov fight because of money it was because of location they wanted it in Russia or they wanted it in Europe or something like that either that or the vice versa I'd have to go back and look at the story but it barely made a blip on the radar because I worked I I didn't have any reach didn't have anything like that and that was just four years ago but Yancey Medeiros indirectly fed me my first exclusive MMA story, I think, I think uh, before I got into interviewing fighters and covering stuff and all that. All that. Uh, Donald Cerrone and Medeiros, they just traded here. They just traded. It's just one of those fights, like how, how do you break it down? They went in there. They stood toe-to-toe. They went mano-a-mano. They threw strikes. They threw kicks. They weren't wrestling uh, hardly at all. There was a spot in the fight where – Madero slipped, and Cerrone allowed him to get back to his feet, and then they embraced. I can't pretend that I expected to see them embrace. But they did. 
Cerrone needed this win. Some questioned him being in a main event because he lost three in a row, but he's one of those guys who I think had kind of earned it. One of those services rendered deals. I compare it to like maybe like the last Derek Jeter contract where you're paying him more for what he's accomplished than what he's going to do during the life of this contract. I think that, but but with with the Donald Cerrone, uh, it's same thing. Like Derek Jeter, he's putting asses in those seats. Not like Yankee Stadium needs it, but. He's putting asses in the seats. He's drawing eyeballs to the TV. People know who he is. He was able to flatten Yancey Medeiros and keep himself just relevant. And that's that's all you can really ask for. You get Donald Cerrone a win every two or three fights, and you can keep him in the UFC. You can keep making money. You can keep making fun matchups for him. If I'm UFC, I throw Mike Perry and Donald Cerrone on a co-main event, and I do it. Tomorrow, because they both take it tomorrow. <laughs> Put him on Orlando. Why not? Do it. As for Yancey Medeiros, he's he was the top 15 guys he as he came into this fight. I don't know how he's ranked above Donald Cerrone after Cerrone lost three or ranked behind Cerrone after Cerrone had lost three in a row, but those are that's that's the way it is. Uh with Medeiros, you can still give him a top 15. 15 opponent if you want, because winning three or four, nobody's gonna fault you for that in any any regard in any way. Send some questions in, by the way, guys, before I finish up this show. But uh, Medeiros was a guy who I just used to look at, and I was like, okay, yeah, he'll be like kind of a mid-card guy, but he just worked and worked and worked and improved and got better and just perfected that craft, man. Like, Roni was that guy who I started to wonder at one point, I'm like, man, is not sparring anymore hurting him? Because he pretty just straight up said, hey, I'm not going to spar anymore, and I don't spar anymore. And he kind of fell off a little bit after that. But it's hard to say that a guy fell off when he lost the people that Donald Cerrone lost to. He lost to, like, Robbie Lawler. He lost to Darren Teal, who's on the come-up and hasn't fought since, which, you know, I find a little bit odd. But uh, And he fought. He lost to George Masvidal, who, you know, George Masvidal can hang with anybody. He's not had the best go of it over the past uh, years when he lost to Maya and Stevenson or just uh, Maya and Thompson, but some good competition there. I love that welterweight division. I love the lightweight division. I love the emergence of the heavyweight division that we still saw. And like I said, Derek Lewis is hype train kind of reached a peak and then slowed down after Mark hunt. But there's, there's almost a sense of rolling the dice, almost a sense of randomness in that heavyweight division. Uh, that uh, it's good to have some parity there too. It's good to see that there are some that that step up and above, things like that. Uh, Vinny Fernando says that UFC 222 might need a fight like that, like uh, Cerrone and Perry. You know what? You're not wrong, Vinny. As I look at that show, we got Cyborg versus Kunitskaya, Edgar Ortega. Yeah, man, when you got O'Malley and Sukumtoth, no disrespect to them, but when you got a guy who was on Dana White's Contender Series a half year ago in your pay-per-view promo, yeah, you might want to put something on there. Uh, and Benil Dariush and Bobby Green fell out, so I'm, I think they're hoping they can get somebody for Dariush. I don't know why Dodson Munoz isn't on that main card. Because if you put Dodson Munoz on there, that main card doesn't look that bad. You've got Zingano and Caitlin Vieira, and to be quite honest with you, it, whoever wins that, I could see fighting at 145 pounds against Cyborg because – Vieira's had uh, like she's she's a big tall girl, five foot eight, and 
matches up as as far as as her frame and things like that. Edgar Ortega is a legit pay per view fight. I think Struve Arlovsky. <laughs> well, now Arlovsky's mm, not there in his career, but that's that's a fun fight. I'll, I'll watch that fight. Brian Caraway, Cody Stamen. There are some good fights on this show. Even Dalloway Lombard. I'll watch. I'll watch the the car crash. Why not? Mackenzie Dern's debut. But yeah, well, I'll put it like this, Vinny. Any card can use a Mike Perry versus Donald Cerrone fight because you're either going to like save a Fox Sports one card with that or you're going to really reinforce a show like that. You know, you can book it in a matter of days and they'll probably both take it. That's the beauty of it, as a wise man once said. Guys, I will be live on uh, Tuesday afternoon with Showdown Joe. We've got a ton of gas pros picks for the Holy Smokes MMA podcast. We're going to hear from uh, Jose Shorty Torres. Get that man in the UFC. He said he doesn't want a call. He wants a contract. And that means they've been giving him calls. He's gotten some calls, but he's been injured or a little jacked up, couldn't do it. Give the man a contract. Give him time to train because I think that he, he's proven. He's defended his titles in both uh, the Bantamweight and Flyweight division. He deserves it. Guys, leave a thumbs up. Subscribe. I'm going solo on these like Fox Sports 1 Fox shows. But on the pay-per-view shows, we'll have a James Lynch, a Showdown Joe. I don't know. James Lynch will probably be at the WrestleMania weekend show. So I've reached out to somebody because Joe will be at Titan that weekend as well. So I've reached out to somebody that I respect a lot, and I think that they will be very good on this post-show with me. But uh, we will have a post-show after UFC 222. Of course, we'll have one after UFC Orlando next weekend, Elimination Chamber. I dropped that alternate commentary. Also, this went way under the radar. If you're a pro wrestling fan, I did a mini podcast. It was about 10, 15 minutes, I think. But it was a Fightful Books it last week. Members only, so just go register. It's absolutely free at Fightful.com. Drew McIntyre as a main roster star and what kind of gimmick I would give him. I really liked that. It kind of hit me, and I was like, man, he has a built-in story already. Go check that out. Um, Definitely, uh, I want to also encourage you all to do this. I have a posted tweet on my uh, Twitter. Our lead MMA writer, David Tease, his mother is battling cancer. Uh, There's a You Caring Fund set up to help her she wants to uh spend her last years uh where she wants to and you know with david working full-time to support himself and try to support her it's not uh, you know not that possible for for him to accommodate that if you're able to give please give i I did and david is a great dude with unmatched work ethic that guy is always hunting for stories always looking for something he covers not just he's not just our lead mma writer he covers Raw for us. He covers pay-per-views. He's up at 3 in the morning covering New Japan for us. He's covering like Alaskan fighting championships. I cover this for a living. I didn't know what Alaskan fighting championships was until he started covering it one night. But the guy has unmatched work ethic, and um, he's always giving me updates on his mom. And unlike one story we saw on Twitter this week, embarrassing this is a verified situation, and uh, any help is appreciated. Help out uh, some of the Fightful family in, in doing that. I don't usually push or shill stuff like that, but just a supremely good dude, a hard worker who helps. He brought the coverage tonight of UFC Austin and did, a, did an excellent job. 
per usual. Um, Bellator 194. Man, I almost forgot about that show. Yeah, I thought that Mitrione was going to win. And I don't know. Like People thought that Roy Nelson won that fight. Like I, I thought that Mitrione looked fairly good. And he's looked good against guys like Mitrione who have limited footwork and are slow and plotting and stuff like that. He kept uh, Mitch, or he kept Nelson on at the end of his jab and landed that uppercut a few times. I thought that it looked good. He fights the winner of Bader Moe, which I think could be end up being one of the most boring fights in Bellator, or it could be great. He thinks that Bader's going to win, as do I. Uh, that is going to be a fight that I will look forward to, though. But I thought Mitrione looked pretty good. There was the time, you know, uh, somebody says Mitrione wins the tournament. No, I don't think so. Do I think it should have went to sudden death? It could have. You could argue that one of those rounds was a 10-8, so um, I would have liked to it, uh, liked to have seen it go to that round. Taiwan Claxton beat Jose Perez. Man, Jose Perez was game, but Taiwan Claxton's really good. Vadim Nemkov, Liam McGeary. Wanted to talk about this. Breakout fight for Vadim Nemkov. Uh, you, if you all saw my my picks, I had Nemkov beating McGeary, and a lot of people were like, "What are you? What are you thinking?" McGeary's a former champion. He's so big. Here's the thing, man. Liam McGeary's got all that range, and he doesn't do anything with it. The man just isn't the type of striker that Vadim Nemkov is, and we saw that. And now we're in a situation where, you know, McGeary's lost three of his last four, and he's lost to Davis, Vassell, and Nemkov. I think Nimkov is that guy, and while that division gets sorted out a little bit, I think he's going to be the name that kind of emerges in that division. He just set everything up, just attacked a much bigger, like a six foot six Liam McGeary with those leg kicks until Liam McGeary just couldn't handle it handle it anymore. And you know, I, I've you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bellator were just up and cut McGeary because they do that on occasion. Like they cut. Um, Emmanuel Newton, I didn't think they were going to let him go. I didn't think they were going to fire him, but they did, and probably a good thing because he's lost six of seven. But they've done that before, too, like Brandon Halsey. They've cut him, some former champions. UFC, they'll try to hold on to their champions, their former champions, as much as they can. Has Fedor fought yet? No, he fights Mir soon, and I can't wait for that, even though it's just going to be a couple of blobs, a a couple of blobs of their former selves going at it. I mean, that Heather Hardy fight sucked. I will say, like, from a personality perspective, I think if this woman would have found combat sports and MMA 15 years ago, we might be talking about her instead of Ronda Rousey. That being said, Ronda Rousey got where she was because she had that charisma and she had skill. Heather Hardy's boxing skill does not translate to MMA. Ronda Rousey's judo skill did translate to MMA and it made her dominant because nobody else had experienced that. I don't know what was worse. Heather Hardy having a rear naked choke locked in, but not knowing to take the back and put the hooks in or her opponent, not knowing to sit out of it, turn into it like anything. Oh man. Heather Hardy, WDB bound. I ran a story last week. James Lynch interviewed her and said that WDB hall of famer, Johnny rods tried to get her to train to be a pro wrestler It was just bad, and she is such a sweet woman. She is a sweet woman. You could not talk to a nicer person, but this fight sucked. And uh, one of my buddies, Justin Golightly, used to write for Fightful, and he's like, and you all want Floyd Mayweather to do MMA? And I saw some doofus acting like we were comparing Heather Hardy and Floyd Mayweather as it pertained to, to athleticism 
Dupois. I'm talking about as it pertains to MMA knowledge. MMA knowledge. He doesn't know what hooks are. Sure, he'd find out. Would it do any good? Piss off. Get out of here. See, Phoenix says she relies on her corner too much. She needs to use that killer instinct. That could be the case. I mean, she is very, very coachable. You can tell that from her from her time in in boxing, but it's it's just not for her. But hey, if she can keep making that money, good for her. Even though she got some deducted, I believe, for that weigh-in snafu. Go read about that on Fightful.com. I think it, it should be up in the morning, but she weighed in. She was a couple of ounces over, and she was like, I'll strip if I need to. And like one of the commissioners said, oh, no, your bikini weighs that. And they were like, okay, let it go. And then they deducted a purse, piece of her purse from her. Lame. Patricky Pitbull defeated Derek Compost. Second time he's done it, man. Patricky Pitbull is on. I, I make a lot of jokes about how they headline every show with a Pitbull, but he's earned it. Five of six. Since losing to Michael Chandler, this man has refused to give Bellator an option but to put him in a main event. Because his three straight wins are Derek Compost, who's been on a hot streak, Ben Henderson, and Josh Thompson. So uh, all jokes aside, nothing but respect for Patricky Pitbull. But let me just bring up this. The fact that Darian Caldwell versus Leandro Higo is headlining the next Bellator show, and they're billing it as Leandro Higo being a Pitbull brother protege. They're just trolling me at this point. Come on, Dan. Come on, CJ. I know what you all are doing. Great, great performance by Patricky Pitbull. He continues to look great. He's had a great run. And at one point, it was looking fishy for him, man. He he lost to Chandler, Woodward, uh, Alvarez, and I believe Derek Anderson. And I think he just had a win over Kurt Pellegrino in there. And it's like, man, I thought, I honestly thought at that point, he was a bit of a scrub. Lost four or five, and um, he was in his late 20s. I was like, man, is is this the finished product? And ever since then, I think he is nine and three since then. So good for him. He made it to the finals of that Bellator tournament, got to a title fight. Um, I mean, he got to the finals of a tournament in 2011, too. It's just for him, it's it's been always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Can he become a bride? I don't. I don't know if he if he fights. If Chandler wins, I don't think he gets that shot. I mean, maybe he does. Bellator's a little more lenient about giving people extra chances, but he's been beaten pretty soundly by Michael Chandler twice, including being knocked out in two minutes a couple of years ago. Now, if um, if Chandler loses to Brent Primus, then yeah, I think that Patricia Pitbull gets the next crack at him. Guys, thank you all so much. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow us at Fightful.com. We have all your MMA news. We got exclusives every single day. It's what we do. Till next time, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.